Steve is coming to us on the road, as they say. Not not in Steve's basement. I'm very proud of Steve for putting got, got on the, a collared shirt. We got the podcaster out of his basement. Boy, that's a step in the right that's, direction. That's, that's we're moving on up in the world. <laughs> um, Steve is, is is joining us from business. Well, he's not on business right now, but he is on a business trip. Uh, always good to chat with you. But this is the Stuff Summer Says podcast with Steve. Steve. Grandpa Steve now, by the way. Congratulations, Grandpa. Thank you. Congratulations to uh, Sam and Garrett on their, their first kid. Good for them. Happy for them. Um, all right, Steve, we've got a podcast. It's been a while since we've talked, so let's see. What are we going to talk about today? You sent me an article. We'll, we'll probably spend most of the podcast talking about the article because I have now mm-hmm. spent several hours, maybe an hour, maybe the, the several hours. Wait, you don't know the difference between hours and one hour? It was like an hour and like five minutes. Well, so so you round them up. I round up um, <laughs> on on this article and and the deep dive and the data related to said article. We're going to talk about the College World Series um, and then some some Penn the some Penn State parts of the show as well. Uh, Lift for Life and some of the stadium events. I think Steve's got some spicy takes ready for the the back half of the show. Uh, and this week's old guy, young guy, not stressful. Summer related. That's all I'm going to say. Deep cleansing breaths. I'm all good. You're good. All right. You ready? Yes, sir. All right. So this week, uh, maybe, well, technically last week now, um, in the, in awful announcing, which is kind of the main source or one of the main sources for sports media news sites, a website that I read a lot is is this is something that's interesting. There was this headline and I saw it and then Steve emailed me and I was like, we need to talk about it. And it was an article from Alex Reimer uh, called How Gen Z is Killing Sports Media as We Know It. Gen Zers don't like sports that much and that's the big problem. And essentially the gist of the article is, is, there's some numbers out there that we'll, we'll get into those um, that allude to the fact that Gen Z may not be the biggest sports fans in the world uh, comparatively to my generation. Actually, my generation is more of a sports fan than, than your generation, I believe, Steve. Um, I don't know which one you identify and I'm not going to force people to say, say your age, but um, thought it was a relatively interesting article, maybe not the strongest opinion built, but there are some points. So would you like to go through the data or the article first, Steve? Uh, article, you're running the show. So go okay. Ahead. All right, let's go through the article first. So the article essentially sets out in the, the, the nut graph of the article is this. Only 23% of Gen Zers say they're passionate about, or they're passionate sports fans. And only 58% of Gen Zers say they enjoy live sports. Uh then even the article goes on to say even more concerning 27% of Gen Zers say they dislike sports altogether compared to just 7% of millennials and 5% of Gen Xers and 6% of baby boomers. Now, at first I was like, uh, that's kind of alarming. We'll get into the data side of it more and, and, and poke around in there, but I don't know if they're killing sports. I do think that there is a marketing problem. And I think that was kind of the opinion that I, that I kind of 
gathered from all of this, mainly from this other article that is linked in the article from the New York Times called, hold on, let me give it to you. Uh, Pro sports leagues are chasing Gen Z where it plays. Um, and that's in the New York Times by Joe Drape and Ken Belson. Um, and essentially kind of laid out that there is this problem that for all the way up until probably the last five years, maybe 10 years, sports leagues have just been like, we are a sports league. We don't really need to market ourselves. Well, people will just get attention to have attention. And, and because that's what other generations have done. And you, you know, you're raised as a sports fan, so on and so on, pass down, pass down. And then all of these numbers started to come out and sports fans are starting to, to kind of dwindle at younger ages. And I, I thought that was interesting. So anyways, my point being, this, none of this information is surprising, but I do think where we need to, as a, we as a weird royal we is, we need to see growth it, from the leagues or media industry and not just like write, written or TV, you know, the whole media industry is how you market. And that's kind of what this New York Times article gets into, essentially how the NBA and now the NFL and a lot of the other leagues are tapping into esports as kind of a, a gateway into those leagues. I think it's interesting. I don't think that esports is ever going to replace NFL or NBA. I could maybe see it happening at baseball, depending on how this whole role league, you know, how the league changes and stuff. Certainly could see it happening in hockey just because I'm a pessimistic hockey fan. Um, but I don't know. I, I thought it was a very interesting art, article um, in the New York Times. The uh, the awful announcing article kind of also gets into the point about how there is no more homepage. How many times did you growing up or well, not growing up, but how many times did you, when you first were setting up your computer, did you go and go directly to ESPN as your homepage or Deadspin as your homepage? And the article kind of points that out. And that made me think about a little bit about something I watched recently where um, it is, um, oh gosh, it is the, what's the, it's not only fans, it's the other one that is not for nudes. Um, the, uh, that you pay money, Patreon, thank you. Couldn't think of the word as you're just. The, there you go, not my real answer, Thank you. So Patreon has, has this whole idea now where algorithms are taking people away from the fan bases that kind of made the communities and now creators have to kind of tether themselves as opposed to fan bases tethering themselves to the creators. That was kind of what this article lays out, gets into the the Jake Paul and the Barstool and all of that. And even John boy a little bit. Anyways, that's a long winded to say, winded way to say, I don't think Gen Zers are going to kill sports media. I think we just much like anything else have to be prepared for change in sports media. And it's not going to be the same the same way ESPN wasn't the same 10 years ago, five years ago. Sorry, that was a long winded. Yeah, no, I, I think that it's the, there's no surprise there. There's got to be ongoing concern there from sports media outlets. And if they haven't started a pivot or thought about how they're pivoting or how they're going to serve readers, consumers, content, content, consumers, whatever the word is, that's going to be the new word for how you get to people, they should be thinking about that now because it's, Honestly, I think if it's gotten to the point where somebody's writing about it on awful announcing, even if it's an opinion piece, the people whose jobs it is to worry about this data on a day-to-day -day basis have seen these numbers as well, right? And 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 live them every day and are figuring out, okay, how do we reach people? 
why are people not doing this the same way they did before? And, and what are we going to do to pivot? Because the same way isn't going to work for us in five or 10 years. And, and I think where that then dominoes a little bit is, you know, rights fees that people pay to, for stuff and how many people are watching them and are you going to get advertisers for them? Just all those kind of things. And that intrigues me from the sports business side of it and how these leagues and, and teams and individual athletes attract attention and whether or not people are watching what they do or reading about what they do or caring about what they do. It's interesting. I hadn't thought about rights fees and things like that as we kind of shift more away from linear to Amazon now having an NFL game, for example. And I think we're probably five to 10 years away from Netflix having some sort of major top five pro sports league type thing. Um, well, they had that you know, series coming in July too. Right. They had that quarterback series. They're dipping their toe in with the NFL. Right. And they've already started to kind of between that and full, uh, full swing and drive to survive, you know, they've kind of already started to play in that ground, maybe in a different space or in a different way than as a, a traditional, you know, vendor of live sports. But I think that is kind of, that is kind of what the, the New York times article kind of alludes to, which that kind of led me down the data path then of, of the initial numbers that came out of this report. So the, the survey that this was taken on is, is essentially from two surveys. There's this one from, let me read you these, the Emory University uh, Business School, um, a, a marketing guy essentially ran this, this one survey. Um, I'll, I'll link to all this or make sure you, you know, if you're, if you're following along, you can read or take a look at the data along the way. And then another one from essentially it's something called Vizart, V-I-Z-R-T, which is a, a graphics provider. Um, I thought, I, I, and I think he, even in the New York Times article brought it up, but how, for example, here, he lays out like the NFL has started to kind of, instead of market towards kids to get the kids to play it's actually getting the parents to get them signed up for flag football and i think that is the the approach that these leagues are going to have to kind of take these in the the article kind of also lays this out as well but these kind of one fit size all uh advertising approaches where it's the the nfl watch it because it's action-packed isn't going to work and i think the other thing for me as somebody in closer to this demographic than, than you are. Certainly I'm not in Gen Z by any means, but I think the other thing for me is the leagues themselves that do the best, the NBA and the NFL, what are they very good at? What, what do you think they're very good at, Steve? They produce shows. They produce videos. They're visual. But what I see to me, why I like it, those leagues over, over especially the NHL and MLB is they produce athletes, they, they produce characters, and they produce people that st- you care about. I pay attention to more NFL games if Pat Mahomes is playing or um, you know Josh Allen is playing than I would necessarily an NHL game where I want to see X team play. Like, I, it's very, those are two leagues very much driven by superstars. And I think that is kind of where Certainly, the M- I think the MLB is actually lacking more in that than the NHL is. The, the NHL has kind of started to figure it out with their most recent rights deal. But the MLB, it's very hard to watch Mike Trout or Shohei Otani or insert 
Aaron Judge or any other, you know, top tier player here. It's still a very regionalized sport. And I think that to me would would get people, if you can get people that have personalities that you can kind of connect and especially like baseball where it's it's quite literally very easy to see these people and see what they look like whereas in football it's kind of hard because they got a helmet on hockey they got a helmet on um i think that's why nba stars are are more popular than nba teams themselves um because they just do a better much better job of marketing the player you know you can go out and buy LeBron's shoes or you can go you know buy Shaq's shoes or whoever's shoes it may be um and I think that was that was kind of one of the points being made here as well yeah I mean there's just that's great point I mean there's there's just more connectivity more of a personal connection in in those ways and it's funny the NFL for years that some of the players have complained well we're wearing a helmet it's harder for that they've done a great job through the years whether it was the NFL PA separately from the league the league's partners who, who you know, always start with the quarterbacks, but at least they're starting with some individual player to, to make it interesting and personal and connection. Um, and yeah, and I do think baseball, even though they're more visible, struggles with that. And part of that is, is, is pace of the game. Forget, forget general pace of the game. It's, it's amount of touches per game and things like that. You know, you're not, you're not guaranteed that you're going to get that interaction or that action with the star athlete on a consistent basis. That was that was also kind of in the data you could see. Essentially, Gen Z was not willing to sit down and, and watch a three-hour game. Like their the attention span was a lot shorter there, and that was kind of where the the Vizart survey comes in. Is essentially people making you know strong graphics and making their almost an augmented reality kind of approach to it is is very attractive for that generation. Honestly, I think that's really attractive for any generation when you're watching a sport because you learn more about the sport. And then once you learn more about a sport, then you start to understand it, want to play it or want to experience it more, go to a game in person. You can kind of see that happen even with like Olympic sports. Like this is a zany example, but me with curling, like a lot of it is is at the Olympics, they they enhanced the broadcast and made it more available so that you can watch the broadcast and made you helped you understand what was happening. Oh, now that I see that I enjoy this sport because it's a lot, it's a lot similar to other sports that I'm interested in or other things that I'm interested in. Um, so I thought that was a, that was essentially what the, the VizArt survey says um, as well. And I think a lot of sport, well, all sports lend themselves to those kind of approaches. It's just a different approach. It's just, we're not going to trot the camera out. We're not going to do the coverage this way. Let's think about how we're going to present this, right? And, and, and your partners have to buy in to do that. Or if you're the league or the sanctioning body or the governmental organization, the, the, the Olympic sport organization, you have to, to push people to do that or do it yourself to be able to present your product in that way. And, it, and it's a mind shift. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody's made that shift in terms of anymore nobody's nobody's not thinking about what they do as having a product right like everybody knows they're marketing something and they're selling something it's just stark when some people do it so much better than others it, it's just surprising when someone's not doing it well i guess well even like i'm now i'm sitting here thinking that like the nhl has started to do um with their player tracking and puck tracking they they've now taken like um, a couple of, of cartoons on Disney and, and essentially made the games happen with those cartoons and little things like that, that like, yes, those are geared for kids, but those are just in general interesting because it's really never been done 
and it's challenged and it's 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 challenging the status quo and it's it's making something unique that I think I appreciate. I think anybody that cares even just a little bit about sports would appreciate. And I think that's what I think that's what we're seeing here. I do question a little bit some of the data, not because of how the questions were asked by that, but this was also asked in 2021, which was not, was really like not a good year for sports in terms of like coming out of COVID. Mm-hmm. Like COVID obviously was the worst year, but 2021 really wasn't a normal year, um, you know, especially that first half of 2021. So 2022, maybe I, I would like to see this, this report kind of done, these numbers pulled again, essentially is, is what I'm getting after. I think it'll happen. I mean, I, I think somebody's going to start tracking this stuff and not there already. And, and you'll start seeing that. I, I, I think once people start picking at this topic, there's just a lot more ways to approach it and, and trying to figure out what those numbers mean. And people are trying to do it every day in league offices and organization offices. And, and fans are certainly making those decisions every day themselves, right? Are the, am I going to invest the time to watch the ball game? How do I want to consume stuff? No, I'm not doing this the same way. I, I, don't, I don't think younger people were any less, they're probably less sports fans in terms of how they were defined when I was young, but they're still as active. They're still as interested. They still want to be part of a group or a tribe or a group of, you know, as, as fan, as a fan base, it might be a different base. It might be an activity base. Um, people still have those interests and needs and, and sports that was that community may, they might have different communities. So I think that's the concerning part for the leagues and the teams is how do I get these people engaged? I'm fascinated in, in two ways. Number one, I'm fascinated in kind of how NIL helps. We haven't, we haven't really had an NIL generation yet of athletes where they go from NIL to the NFL or insert pro sports league here and, and kind of carry that brand from, you know, really right out of high school. I'm interested in that. And I'm interested in how the advent and the copycat of much like everything that's happened with the Manning cast, the copycat of the drive to survive model kind of carries over and, and helps build those personas. Cause I think that is really what, what is going to drive. I, I really think, like I said, I think if, if I was a marketing executive on any league, I would build it around the, the, the athlete and not the team. The, you're always you're always going to have the regional fans because that's where they were born. That's what they, their parents did. And that's just, just how this works. Like the, the, there's a reason, you know, my grandfather was a Steelers fan. My mom's a Steelers fan. I'm, I'm a Steelers fan type thing. What you are going to find is more often, I think, is people like Juju Smith-Schuster, who made my wife a Steelers fan because he had a very funny Instagram or was very good personable on Instagram. So I think that I, I'm very fascinated to kind of see that that growth for an, a current or maybe future college football player into the NFL, um, because I don't think we've really seen that yet. I think... We've seen that, like the, the article mentions the Cavender sister or Cavender twins, who are the, the twins at, uh, were the twins at Miami now. I think they're going to go do WWE. And then, of course, there's Olivia Dunn, um, who's the LSU gymnast. Um, and everybody's obsessed with her. But I don't think we've seen that in the kind of top four pro sports leagues yet. And I think once we do see that, I think that's going to resonate a lot better. And I think that's going to become the next model for growth 
Yeah, I think that's probably true, or at least a little dry more of it. We we've seen personalities. I don't know the we've seen for the 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 breakout rare suit personalities that we follow. You know, LeBron James, right? I mean, he was, you know, there's a couple of those in each sport who superseded and that was superseded the teams and, and you kind of followed them through. So I can see people trying to push that model and, and you talk about the other ways they market them. It's it's always a challenge once a template's been set, like the Manning cast, right? It's still the best thing that they've done that way. Even though they've tried to reinvent it and try it with different yeah. personalities and different sports, it's not close. Drive to Survive, NASCAR's effort to kind of match that, not even close. Even the NASCAR people admit that their show's not as good as that. And other people will do behind the scenes and documents. There, there are dozens of them out there for sports and teams, you know, that are being of regional interest or team interest. But I think it's going to be harder in some ways for people to really trans transform and, and be a transformative personality that everybody knows because everybody's going to be out there quilting and scratching right. for the little piece of the pie. I think that the cream of the crop will rise to the top more like I think those ones so it's it's going to have to be to figure out how do you how do you situate those types of people so that you can help everybody else because I think that's especially with the MLB they've missed the boat really on Joey Otani they've absolutely missed the boat on Mike Trout I look at the NHL some of it and we don't live in Canada so we don't know but some of it is two of the best players in the world right now play in Canada and not in the United States so that that kind of have, has something to do with it. Um, just the people aren't going to watch the Oilers and people aren't going to watch the Leafs in America. So finding kind of those personalities and, and letting those athletes have those personalities. I think that's the other part to this um, as well as we still we still see I'm thinking about I think it was in the the Braves and the Phillies game. I think it was Robert Azunia hit a home run and high five Ron Washington and the Phillies announcers kind of were like upset about it. And I think that was kind of like a good microcosm of, of kind of gatekeeping personality back. And I think that that is hurting. Like if people, if players want to go do a bat flip or beat on their chest or do the angel Reese ring pointing at their finger thing, like they were doing in the LSU game last night, that's fine. Go do it. Like, I think that's, that is what, what is going to get people to tune in. We, 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 are human we care about other humans we want to see what other humans do their trials and tribulations and that is why we watch sports not because of kind of to the george carlin bit or whoever it was laundry rooting for laundry no i, I and I, but i think that's a that has been a generational change in some ways right because the lot the laundry for me mattered right like it, it didn't you know and, and the demonstrative stuff like with the home run things has changed in the past five years right yeah. where, where people aren't getting you know, hit every time after they've done that kind of thing and it's become more accepted. So I think that's going to be part of it. And and it and the the change is gonna there's a change coming in terms of I mean it's already here in so many ways that it is generational in some ways in terms of how people consume their sports. And it's going to be a challenge for for teams and leagues and personalities to remain as relevant as they used to be before without having to do as much work. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I think some of it also is that the, they have to, to put in the work. Um, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to drive our, our conversation just a slightly down a slightly different path here real quick. Let's put on our thinking caps and let's say 10 years from now, I have, I have two questions. 
Number one, will ESPN still be around in 10 years? Primarily as a television channel. That's my first question. My second question, uh, I'll let you answer that one. I'm gonna let you answer that one. I'll come back to my second question. Uh, let's, um, Primarily as a television it'll, channel. It'll not, be a, uh, no, go ahead, finish. That not as, not as anything like, even as it's relatively as it exists now. It's going to be closer to not being that than it is now. I mean, I know if it'll be gone, gone, but it, it may be a video delivery platform for as much as it, as much as a TV show, you know, I mean, sports centers in, you know, those kind of things, that kind of appointment viewing stuff probably sports isn't center. there. Right. And, and, it, and if you've already got shows, if you're doing shows with hot takes that last half an hour, right? Okay, those can those are videos that can show up anytime on Netflix and be there and whatever. So I don't, you know, on on ESPN Flix, I don't know whatever it's going to be, but as a as a twenty four hour a day program, I, I think there's a more of a chance that ESPN as we know it becomes ESPN News, you know, with with here's a highlight, mm -hmm. here's some stuff, we kind of keep running stuff through, here's a ticker, and then the other stuff is kind of event based and available on many different platforms. That's about where I'm at with it. I am very fascinated in this whole Pat McAfee thing because of him not wanting to give up YouTube and not wanting to give up it being free, his show being free. If, if Pat McAfee is very much the model for success in the, the sports media world right now, I think that's the thread that if I'm going to put money on, that's the one that I'm going to the kind of follow um it is is the youtube and the how how can that how can that type of content be monetized because i think that's where where if where there's money to be made and probably outside of the traditional commercial during a, a mega cast or commercial during a college football game that's where there's an untapped revenue stream i really think that with him or with shows like him with with both with him initially i think he's going to be the guinea pig for it or the, the we're going to look back and if if we're playing 10 years from now in 20 years we're going to be like pat mack if he kind of did it first his show did it first and i, and I, I think i think I in 20 think years got 20 years from now we'll be saying he did it first and best i you i, think I just so? think Maybe I'm sure there's some other personalities out there that, that resonate, but, you know, people can tell what's genuine and what's a stick, you know, his genuineness doesn't always resonate with me and is, is skews younger than me and is a little more sophomore than, than what I would consume, but you just can't put anybody in that situation and, and it's going to sur survive. It's going to work. It's just, it's just not. Now I think he could be the model that goes, Hey, this is going to work. We're going to do this. And they'll try it with some other stuff and, and it won't work. I, I think we'll get more content and less community with all of our sports. I think we'll get more people doing things and less shared viewing, less experiences, less things that you can actually talk about because you won't all have seen the same thing. You will have consumed it different ways. The, this was kind of brought up in the, uh, in the, the VizArt um, study. Uh, let me find the number here. It was it was a pretty high number prefer actually watching the game through their phones as opposed through traditional like going into a bar um, type viewing. Um, 
so I, I think that is, is, yeah, I think that's something to pay attention to. Okay. My second question for you, Steve, thinking about this one recently, just kind of on the state of the media. Wait, I got a follow up. Okay. I think, did you watch um cam or, or the baseball game itself for, for the, the baseball game, series? the baseball game. I, well, I, I checked out on cam. Okay. I mean, there wasn't much there. There out. wasn't any there, there, but I checked yeah, it, out. It, it was different ish, but there was, I mean, they were using the same broadcast. You just got the camera. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think those, I don't think those types of streams, I, I still think there's value in the personality in terms of having the right people on the air. I think about like thinking about like a college football mega cast, right? Like what works for that is you've got, you've got like the coach's room where if you want to go listen to them, talk about like specific X's. Or, now the problem with that is that doesn't appeal, but if you get, if you kind of do it where you do it more so Manning cast where you get Tracy Morgan to show up or insert X celebrity here, that is, is a, you know, John Hamm being a, a whatever fan, um, you know, kind of showing up. Then I think that would be, that is more relatable. And I think that's where we're going to see, I think sports are going to happen and we have to change the way we have a conversation or we, we narrate those sports, I guess would be the best way to say it. I think that, yeah, I think that's going to happen. I don't know that we're going to have to change. We're just, it's going to change. Yeah, yeah. Because people are just going to consume it differently and that their, yeah. their narration points are going to be different. Everybody, instead of, it's kind of like the video game game views for college football or college basketball. Instead of a high sideline camera being the thing they do, you're getting more of following the play along from behind it or whatever else, which is how it's seen in a video game. So that's how people consume it. Yeah. All right, my next question. 10 years from now, I was thinking about this one. Um, and it, the article talks about a lot of the layoffs going on in the sports media world and kind of the athletic model and how that kind of model is, is re receding a little bit. And even like John boy's model is kind of starting to recede a little bit. Um, essentially, here's my question in 10 years. Do you think the beat writer will be around the, the, you are specifically on a team beat writer, or do you think we're going to get more broad? I think there'll still be some. I think the market will be smaller. I think okay. there'll be not be there'll be fewer of those. Um, I think you're going to get more broad. I think they're going to do different things. It's happening now. If you know game stories aren't, it's it's what you need to know, what happened, that kind of stuff. They break stories up. They're bullet points. Like they're, they're, there's going to be a couple different time types of storytelling. There's going to be those brief things after a game or game content. This is what you need to know. And then those are going to be complemented by some longer form or personality profiles, you know, probably more video than written. Um, see, I don't think it'll be gone, but it'll be less than it is now. Even. I think the game story is, is going to be dead. I think, I don't know if the beat writer will be, be dead, but I think the game story will certainly be dead. So we've think, killed box scores, right? They're dying already. Yeah. I mean, in terms of who's consuming them, yeah. the game story is going to be this. So it, it the day-to-day -day consumption then if, if those were some of the main ways that people consume stuff maybe there'll be a little recap videos i guess right here's here's every after every penn state game i know some people go back and rewatch the entire game i rewatched the the 10 minute or eight minute kind of package of highlights that is the the game essentials and that is the perfect way to consume reconsume the game for me and i think that is i that's we're gonna get a lot more of that i think we're gonna get and and I think it's a bet. I think we we have to. We, as we are both beat writers, of course, we have to um, we have to kind of accept that. 
the game story isn't that interesting, but what is interesting is the story about the guy that made the big shot or the big home run or scored the big touchdown and, and kind of giving that backstory. And I think that's why for the, the writers that have succeeded at the athletic or places like the athletic, or really anybody that's trying to do anything right now in sports media, that's why those stories are resonating better as opposed to the Penn state scored a touchdown. And then they went, they went back out onto the field and stopped them on defense and scored another touchdown. I, I, I think, I think, the game story is dead and now it's the era of the sidebar becoming the main story. So are you too young for, um, I forget when this died out, like the Penn State highlight show that was like an hour presentation of the game on Sunday. Like they did a highlight show after the game. It was, it was before the Penn State football story. At the end, it was narrated by Guy Junker. Stan Saverin did it for a while too. Other people did it through the years. And it was it was based on a model that that the Green Bay Packers did years ago in the '60s and '70s, and they would show the highlights and then say, after the teams exchanged, after they exchanged a punt from the teams, Penn State resumed with the ball on the whatever, right? And like they would cut it all down, and that's how they would do it. It was like football. I remember this, yeah, '60. And and that was like you said, talking about every little thing. That was how they covered it. After an exchange of punts, Penn State had the ball back on its 36 yard line, and it was just. That was how we knew that, you know, that was, if you didn't get the game, you didn't this, watch the yeah. game on TV, that's, that's what you did. So, yeah. I, I think, like I said, I think those are, I think I would much rather consume a game that way in terms of catching up, like for the lightning, if I miss a lightning game, I go watch the five minute clip of the, or five minutes of the game that they kind of post that shows all the goals and the key moments. Um, okay. That was good. That was good. Good conversation there, Steve a long one uh hopefully you're still with us um you did mention stan stan Saverin. we haven't talked since we 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 since his passing uh truly an absolute pittsburgh legend uh one of those voices for me that is stuck in my head in terms of sports fandom sports growing up um certainly will be missed i i don't know if you have anything oh uh, well, he was a great one. guy um i so stan and guy love the show right they did their show on kbl and sports beat or whatever else we, we sent in an application for them to do their show on our deck didn't get selected because it is summer where they did shows every friday from someone's deck in the pittsburgh region which was just freaking great like they'd bring the show and show up with some sponsor i don't know if it was icy light or whatever else and stuff and you could grill and they do the show from your backyard which you know here's tom from turtle creek and we're talking to him and um when i first started the center daily times in 99 was the year that steve jones was gonna replace frank Gannon for football like it was, it was ha- leading into that summer, it was happening. And I knew Stan was interested in the gig. And, and so I talked to him for the story and I wrote, I wrote a story about, you know, well, it doesn't have to be a fait accompli. Like they have this, there's people interested in this job. Um, and he was great. He called me and talked about it and everything else. It, he was just wonderful. Like, I mean, it just, and Pittsburgh has always been a substance over style market. It's less so now because the local TV shows, local TV sports aren't as prominent, but Myron Cope, was a character and a hell of a writer, but not much to listen to, not much to listen to with that weird voice, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, just a character. Stan Stan was kind of that way. Like he wasn't like, I don't know, your typical TV guy, right? But he was <clears> good and and people connected with him. And and that's what that's why he worked in that market. And and yeah. why he and why he worked in that market. I think the main thing for me thinking about like that era of growing up in Pittsburgh sports dumb they people like that and even still to this day 
make the Pittsburgh, the, the, especially the, a lot of the morning guys, make the Pittsburgh sports market feel a lot smaller than it actually is. And I remember kind of thinking that and figuring that out, like in college, like, oh, there's people, there's other people in the world that are Steeler fans that don't live, reside within this two hour bubble of, of Pittsburgh, essentially. Um, and I think voices like Stans, Bob Pompiani's, um, you know, really any of the, any of the, the Steelers broadcasters um, throughout the years, even the Pirates guys have, have kind of really, and of course the Penguins guys, can't forget about Mike Lang, um, have really kind of made that, made Pittsburgh sports, not necessarily what it is, but have made it, given it something to feel comfort and coziness with when you're a fan. Yeah, because I think they were honest. They were genuine. Stan, Stan was smart and tough and called it like he saw it. And another another person in that whole mixture and for Stan and then it was Bino Cook. I mean, you know, he was the mm-hmm. SID for Pitt, but like he was a part of that media establishment in that town, in that city that that was a character and that gave the sports in the town character as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I just I thought, thought we, we better we better mention that just because, you know, cover our bases because that, that was, was a big loss for the Pittsburgh sports community. Um, okay. Moving on, we will briefly chat about the College World Series. Here's what the direction I would like to go with that conversation, Steve. Outside of the last two games being total duds, was this the most paid attention to College World Series of maybe my lifetime, your lifetime? I can't remember one where as many people were tuned in, plugged in. Um, let me pull up the ratings. Hold on, hold on. Oh, I've closed the tweet out. Um, they were good. They were really good. Um, the yes, okay. So Monday's game three had a rating of a three point four million. Three point four million people watched it. That was the highest rated show on cable or uh, over the air television on Monday. Um, and then everything else was in the two point something millions um, for game one and game two. The um, the LSU Wake Forest game, which was probably one of the best baseball games I've ever watched, hold a, a 2.9 million average viewers. That's according to Sports Media Watch. Um, and then uh, the other numbers were from Showbiz Daily. Um, I think college baseball is having a moment right now. Is essentially what I'm getting after here. Yeah, and it, it, this is its biggest moment in a while. It had moments early, early to mid '80s when it first showed up on ESPN. And Pete Incavillia was banging home runs for whoever he played for in college baseball. And you were hearing the ping of aluminum bats because ESPN had the games and you weren't seeing college baseball widely before that. You know, you were used to seeing Major League Baseball and college baseball sounded different and looked different. And it, and it, it had a day then. But this this has been a good was a good World Series then. Good spring for for, for college baseball. Um, so, that, I mean, I think those associated with it have to be happy. ESPN has to be happy. And it's good for the sport. It's good for the network. And it was fun to watch. I mean, it's just, it feels more meaningful than yeah. a major league baseball game. I mean, especially in the world series, right? You got to, you're right. winning in advance or you a loss matters. So it, it's certainly more passionate and compelling than a major league baseball at this time of season, no matter who your, who your fandom is, unless your best player gets hurt or something crazy like that. Now, even, even the, the entire rest of the tournament, I was, I was pretty locked in too. Um, I think I watched almost every bits of every single game over the, the, the Omaha stretch, I guess, would be the best way to say that. So, all of that is to say, 
Penn State better not screw up a tire because people are starting to pay attention to it. That's all I'm saying. That's, that's all I'm saying. He's still hard to coach. Um, so, yeah, I think I think college college baseball is definitely having a moment. Good for good for college baseball. Happy for college baseball. Um, all right, we're running a little long today, but we will we will hit our last two segments. Steve, you you have some gripes about Lift for Life. Maybe do you have gripes oh. about Lift for Life in and in, in stadium events? I don't know if I have gripes about the in-stadium. Let me go to the in-stadium events. I'm less gripey, like they're doing the the Hakuna Matata show the Lion King movie inside the stadium. That's kind of cool. Great movie. Um, And they're doing uh, what, Nama Stadium, right, with the the yoga in the stadium. I think it's great they're getting more people in there. Um, They're low-maintenance, low-maintenance, low-level entry stuff, right? You're going to open a gate up. You're going to bring people in. Shouldn't be hard to do. Shouldn't cost them a lot. They're not going to make a lot either, but okay. Um, and I guess Lift for Life, my only question was, it seemed, I and I have, I think I've been to one Lift for Life in the 20 years since it's been there. We've been in town the whole time. And they've done it at different times. They've done it during Arts Fest. They've done them at Haluba. They've done them outdoors. They've done them at the, the lacrosse stadium. This felt lesser than some other ones from afar. Like there were fewer student athletes, players, I guess, involved. There was, there wasn't as much competition. It was more like a Here's a goodwill, goodwill thing from the football program for all of you that are interested. It didn't seem like the th- there were throngs of crowds like there were in the past. So I'm, I'm just more interested about the, the whys behind that stuff than the actual event themselves. And, and I'm also certain that the people who cover Penn State football aren't going to tell me those whys, right? That's all. You want to say it? Or you, you just I want, want oh, the, the whys, the whys the are, the, the why, no, oh, no, sorry. The whys are that it was lesser because it was NIL. The student, the players weren't, who who need to be paid to appear at stuff, weren't getting paid to appear at Lift for Life, so they didn't show up and didn't participate. Look, I, I don't know who or who didn't show up, but I, I will say I feel like Lift for Life used to be like the premier summer event for Penn State, Penn State athletics, not just any mm-hmm. I didn't hear a lot of buzz about it going into this year. So I don't know. Maybe it was just not it wasn't as well having, marketed. It's not having a day right now. Yeah. Like, right, like it, had, it had some days, but its day isn't right now yeah. for whatever reason. And maybe it's it's just a, doing a little bit better of a reactive, reactivation of what that cause is about, because that is a great cause, um, you know, kind of just reminding people of, of you know, these types of events are important. I certainly hope that athletes aren't, you know, skimping out because they aren't getting paid for it type thing. Cause that's kind of crappy, but um, certainly. Do you think that's a crazy idea that you think that's um, way off base on that? I don't think, I think you have very logical reasons to believe that. Okay. I'm just asking. I don't, you know. No, you're good. That, I, it's one of those, he's not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> okay. I don't hear that very often. So I'll take that. Yeah. Usually okay. it's you're wrong. So, okay. All right. Um, Steve, what's your uh, what's your favorite? Who's your favorite character from Lion King? Well, it's got to be Simba, right? Okay, good. I'm just making sure. Yeah. Mine too. Okay. Who are the other ones? Who are the, who? What are the other choices? Timon, Pumbaa. Yeah, maybe maybe one of them, right? Like okay. Timon, right? He's the little one. Those little pop, little. Yeah. The, I, you're gonna have to grandkid these, so you gotta get gotta get refreshed on. All gotta these. get them. Gotta get them on the right the right format man i don't know if we have a dvd player anymore let alone the vhs tapes uh, <laughs> i'm sure we can find one. Oh, on come on there's got to be a box of vhs tapes in your mom's house somewhere there is a box of vhs tapes in this house there you go okay yeah. good. we have a vhs player it does i don't know if oh, it works wow. i don't, I don't know, know if we have one of those anymore 
I don't know if you can hook it up to the TV. Like, I don't, I don't, I think the TVs have like progressed beyond that point. So I have to buy an adapter. Okay. Steve, it is summer. This is this week's old guy, young guy. Um, Here's my question for you. Steve, are you a iced tea man or lemonade man? Iced tea, homemade, sun tea, iced tea. If you are buying iced tea, I feel like this is a very important central PA question. What brand of iced tea are you buying? If I'm buying it in the store, yeah, like if you go, yeah. Well, this is gonna this is gonna muddy the question because if I'm buying iced tea in the store, I am buying Arnold Palmer fifty fifty stuff. Oh, like, no, I, I'm okay, buying an Arnold Palmer. Okay, right, so I know. I'm checking out. Why is it? Is there a Gallagher's iced tea that I should be championing that you do? No, you would I just was thinking in? about like I like since moving to Maryland slash Virginia. The, the thing that I miss the most that my mom still gets me every time I come back back home is a gallon of Richie's iced tea, which is the in yep. in Martinsburg, PA. Yeah, that is the main. Uh, that's the main. Like most of the grocery stores have Richie's. You can get Gallagher's at Sheets here, but you you can't. You can only get Turkey Hill at like our wise, right. and I think Turkey Hill sucks. But it's the only. It's really the only option that is half good. Um, so I just was thinking about this today. That was, I was walking through the grocery store. I didn't yeah, know I would Steve do Gallagher's or something at, at Sheets if I had to buy stuff. I, I like that better than like, like the Lipton stuff or whatever else. Um, but if we're at home, I'm just, I'm making like a gallon. You're making your own? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think the other thing, have you been to Texas Hot Dogs in Altoona, Steve? I have not. Okay. Well, the, just the, the, they, they give you, uh, it's not Turner's, it's it's one of the other brands, but it comes in the carton. And there's just something so beautiful and pure about the taste of cardboard as you drink your iced tea. That there is, exactly. It's it, it just think that it's, it feels essentially like summer. So I wanted to get your old guy and guy opinion. So glad to know that Steve likes his iced tea. It is not particular, though, on the brand. I am a brand snob for my iced teas. Well, and I just, I just looking now isn't there there's a there's an alcoholic version of turner's iced tea yeah turner's turner's launched an alcoholic version which i have not had yet somebody said it just really tastes like a summer shandy okay which i think checks out yeah there it is Um, so i haven't had it yet um i heard rumors that gallagher's is also going to make one um wow so that's a inside source long as it's not a seltzer that's good old people don't like seltzers yeah, I still have a. I don't. I will say the the iced tea seltzers aren't too bad, but like some of the other ones, I'm like, eh, no, I'll, I'll pass. I'll pass. We're like just the, throwing sponsors left and right. We're throwing them all uh, off the band. Who can we ask? No, not them. Not them. No, that's all right. Like, like a lot of our friends drink high noon, and it's just not good. It's not. No, good. I don't get that at all. No, it's really not. We have friends over at the end of tailgate season. I'm like, what is all this stuff left in the cooler? Uh, that is our garage fridge. On. Exactly. We we have been every time we go to somebody's party, we just take a take that <laughs> cooler and try to get rid of whatever beer is in there because it is there is a hodgepodge of beer in there right now. I feel you. That's true. Um. Anyways, all right. Um. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hopefully we didn't bore you to death with our sports media talk, but we are a sports media podcast. I enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed hanging out with Steve. Let's see, we've got a website. It's stuffsummersays.com. Uh, on that website, there's a section called with Steve. Steve. Um, we have a newsletter that you can sign up for on that website. Um, I don't know. I think our next newsletter is 
early July this time around. I think we're going to start maybe increasing the frequency um, on those as we get closer to football season. It's coming. It's coming. Um, and then let's see what else we get that. Um, we have a emails. My email is Darian at stuffsummersays.com. Steve says. Steve at stuffsummersays.com. Um, I think we got everything there. We've got a YouTube page somewhere in that general direction. Thumbs up, like, subscribe. Do that here. Do that on all of your other podcasting services. Um, this was Darian. What if I want to reach out to you on social media? How do I? Do oh, that? yes, that's right. That one almost forgot. Uh, my Twitter handle is at stuff summer says. Steve says at Steve Samson. Look at that. That's why I pay him the big bucks because he helps me not to forget things. All mm-hmm. right. Goodbye. <laughs>